Uh, well, good morning. I'm so thankful for Pastor Mark. Let's give him a hand. Don't you appreciate our pastor? You bet. Thank you. Thank you for being my pastor and friend, Mark. I love you. Well, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As Pastor Mark mentioned, my wife Carmen and our three kids, Aslan, Miley, and Tobin, call Salem First Baptist our home. You may know my wife Carmen better as the Capital Christian music teacher. She's phenomenal. You've seen up here playing the cello. In fact, she's more well-known here at First Baptist than I am, and that's okay. <laughs> so I'm just so thankful for our family. I want to thank you for all of your prayers and support in the ministry. Like Pastor Mark said, I mean, it is a new day globally for the gospel to go out. It's incredible. So Vietnam, let me show you this picture. I was there a couple weeks ago in December. This is Ho Chi Minh City, formerly Saigon, downtown Ho Chi Minh City in a communist country, Vietnam, where 15,000 people showed up to hear the gospel. Incredible. Second slide is Hanoi. This was literally historical what God did in this city of Vietnam. So this is the first time the government, local pastors and leaders told me the very first time the government has given a basically a certificate to preach the gospel publicly. This has never happened before. We were in this park. Yeah, you can give God a hand. I mean, it's amazing. And, and I thought, personally, I thought it was just a beautiful story of redemption that with the history of our two nations, right, America and Vietnam, that the first foreigner that the government would allow to bring a message of peace, the good news of Jesus, you know, wasn't a Canadian or a German, it was an American. And I thought that was pretty, pretty special. So in this scene right here, we're downtown Hanoi. We had this whole area roped off in front for the people to come forward to receive Christ. We partnered with 280 churches because everything we do at RSA is with, for, and through the local churches. So we had this huge space open. But I tell you what, God is moving in Vietnam. So many people came forward to give their life to Jesus. They filled up the whole space. We had to invite people on stage. So this picture you hear is seeing hundreds and hundreds of people that came to know Jesus in Hanoi, Vietnam. Pretty amazing. The next slide, you'll be able to see kind of the highlights between Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi. Over 30,000 heard the gospel. 2,000 people came to know the Lord. It is amazing what God's doing in Vietnam. We're going to be going back. Next year, we've been invited to go to Da Nang, back to Hanoi and some other areas. So to God be the glory. The next slide I want to show you real quick is this is Karachi, Pakistan. Like Pastor Mark said, it's crazy over there. I guys with machine guns on both sides as I'm preaching. It was nuts. And so this area right here, only 1.5% believers in a nation of 220 million. This is Muslim land and the gospel is going freely. And we're seeing like Mark said, thousands of people come to know Jesus as their savior. When God opens the door, you got to run through. So in a couple weeks, I'm going back to Pakistan. We'll be in Hyderabad, Pakistan this year, Lahore, Pakistan stand next year. So when God opens the door, we got to run, right? So I want to thank you right here. You guys are making a difference for eternity in Pakistan and Vietnam. So it's a joy to serve Jesus together. Amen. Pretty exciting. Amen. So people ask me, they say, Reed, you know, do you speak a lot of languages? I say, no, man, I'm struggling enough with English. So I always use a translator. So everywhere I go, I use a translator. And my pastor friend in Dominican Republic told me this story. He says, Reed, I got to tell you this translator story. He said, a brother from America came to preach in a church in Dominican. And he doesn't speak Spanish, so they're trying to find a translator for him. So no one's responding. The pastor gets desperate. He says, hey, can anyone translate from English to Spanish from our brother here? One guy in the back row raises his hand. I'll do it. So he comes up and he's starts translating from English to Spanish. Now, there's a dear woman in the front seat who are sitting there, stand, understands both Spanish and English, and she's like scratching her head as this guy is translating. Finally, afterwards, she says, comes up to him and says, hey, do you even speak English? You weren't making any sense. And the guy says, well, no. 
he gave his message and I gave mine. <laughs> I always wonder when I say like, Jesus loves you, my translator goes off for five minutes. I was like, okay, that was three words. Anyway, but you know, the reality is a lot of people pretend to be someone or something that they're not, right? I mean, just because you wear a cowboy hat doesn't make you a cowboy. Just because you wear a biker jack doesn't make you a biker. Just because you can shoot a basketball doesn't make you Steph Curry. And just because you know Christ doesn't necessarily mean you're going to share Christ. Do you know that 65% of Christ followers in America today do not believe it's the responsibility to share the gospel? 51% of churchgoers in America today don't even know what the Great Commission is. Yes, there will be a quiz afterwards, so get ready. Just kidding. But here's the shocking one that breaks my heart. 90%, 90% of all Christ followers in America will never share Jesus with another person in their lifetime. Yet every day, thousands of people die without knowing Jesus. My friends, say this word with me this morning. Say urgency. urgency. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. And I want to ask you, my family here at First Baptist, do you believe that God can use us to change those statistics? Yeah? I'm just declaring the year 2023 the year of evangelism. I mean, dream with me, if you would. Imagine if we had a season of evangelism with Christ followers here in our Jerusalem and Salem were actively sharing Jesus, and that took place all around America. I mean, don't you want to see a revival back to our nation again? I sure do. And I love what Anne Graham Lott said, the daughter of Billy Graham. She says, revival starts here, and she literally drew a circle around herself. And it's so true. I love when Jesus said in Matthew 9, he said, look, the fields are ripe for harvest, but to pray for more workers... And that's you and that's me. Coming out of this pandemic with the wars taking place in Ukraine, with all the violence going around, people are asking this question, is there God and does he care about me? I found in my own life, not just through the public preaching, but the one-on-one evangelism here in our city, at our Fred Myers, at our, at our Walmarts, at our gas stations. The average person I talk to is open and hearing about Jesus. Now, do they all give their lives to the Lord? No, but are they open? Yes. And you got to understand something, my friends. You and I are God's plan A. There's no plan B. Have you ever thought about that? God's plan to spread his message of hope, his good news is through you and through me. And so from my heart to your heart this morning, I want to ask you two questions. Question number one, who do you know that needs Jesus? And question number two, what are you going to do about it? Now, I've found a lot of my friends that I've trained in sharing the gospel there's many obstacles that keep them from sharing the gospel. One of them is the fear of rejection. I get that. That's very valid. There's also the fear of not knowing all the answers to the questions. Another big issue that I'm seen dealing with is a lot of Christ followers don't know anyone that doesn't know Jesus, and that's another issue. But I'd argue with you, one of the reasons why we're not effective in sharing the gospel is because we're not plugging into the right power source. Let me give you an illustration. Here's this little power cord here, right? If I plug into it, Plug into it. And I turn it on. Is it going to work? <laughs> There's no power, right? Because it all depends on the source. And for us as Christians, sometimes when it comes to sharing the gospel, we just plug into ourselves. We rely on our own strength. We got to figure out, we've got to say all the right words. We got to know all the answers. But when Paul said in Philippians 4.13, he said, didn't say, I can do all things through Paul who gives me strength, did he? No. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so who is our power source to share the good news of Jesus? The Holy Spirit, right? Acts 1.8 says, but you see power. Say power. power. You in the balcony, power. power. 
All right, good, good morning. Anyway, where you see power, which the Greek word is dunamis, it literally translates the word dynamite, which I love that word picture. How the Spirit of God is powerfully working in us and through us to share Jesus, and how the Spirit of God is powerfully working in the hearts to respond to the gospel. But you see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here's the reminder. God saves. Say that. Say God saves. God saves. Say we share. we share. Okay? That's the key. You and I aren't responsible for the people to respond or not respond when we share the gospel. We are responsible to share the gospel so they have an opportunity to respond. You tracking with me? God saves, we share. So why should we share the gospel? I mentioned this earlier. One, it's a command, right? The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is not the great suggestion. It's a commandment. Secondly, we got to realize there's a spiritual battle. Heaven and hell is in the balance, right? A sense of urgency to share the gospel. But thirdly, I really believe the key to evangelism, at least I found in my life, it flows out of our love relationship with God. My wife, Carmen, and I have been married 23, 24 years coming up this June. I love to tell people about my wife, Carmen. Why? Because I love her. And it should be the same natural response with our Savior. So I'm going to give you an illustration that will help you kind of grasp this. So take your arm and put it up like this. Okay? I call this the vertical becomes horizontal. So the vertical, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son to save us, Right? Our response is we enter in that love relationship with him and are saved and become a new creation. Our natural response then is to do what? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you obey what I command. So what did he command? Okay, the vertical becomes horizontal. Okay, make the cross, pretty cool. Mark 16, 15, told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. So that's an illustration that it really flows out of because of his love for us, our response to loving God back is to love others enough to tell them about Jesus. You tracking with me? And I say this all the time, friends. Evangelism really is simple. Fall so deeply in love with Jesus, you can't help but tell others about him. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, I love how often he gives us a command. He follows it up with a promise. You know, at the end of that Great Commission, he says, hey, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So remember, God saves, we share. But it comes out of that heart, that love relationship with the Lord. It reminds me of the story of a little boy who came up to the, his pastor afterwards. And he's discerning. He says, Pastor, I got a question for you. You said during your message that I can invite Jesus in my heart. And the pastor's like, that's right. <laughs> the little boy got confused, poor kid. He's like, well, I'm confused. You said that Jesus came and he was on earth. He was a man in a man's body. The pastor's like, that's right. He said, well, okay, here's the problem. If Jesus is a man in a man's body and I'm a little boy in a little boy's body, if I invite Jesus in my heart, he'll be sticking out all over. <laughs> and the pastor said, Exactly. And you see, my friends, I believe the more in love you and I are with Jesus, the more he'll be sticking out all over, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, he says, the love of Christ compels us or launches us out. But we need to walk the talk, right? What's the number one thing non-believers call us Christians? We're a bunch of hypocrites. So I love Will Rogers. He said this. He said, so live in such a way that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. It's <laughs> a good word. But here's, here's this quote from Billy Graham. I love it. He says, The evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of men, women, and of nations is always being decided. Every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for the past generation, and we can't bear the full responsibility for the next generation. But we have our generation. 
God will hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age and take advantage of our opportunities. Today is the day of salvation. So friends, bring friends to Jesus. I believe the greatest way you can love someone is to love them enough and bring them to Jesus. So to illustrate that, I want to look at this passage from God's word in Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me if you would to Mark chapter 2 which is a beautiful illustration of some friends getting their friend to Jesus. Mark chapter two, beginning in verse one. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above. Jesus, by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Notice verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, faith of the friends, right? All of us. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his heart, in his spirit, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. Verse 10, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and walk. He got up, took his mat, and walked down full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they said, we have never seen anything like this. Wow, I love this passage from God's word. Four friends that loved their friend enough to get him to Jesus. Literally, even if it meant going through the roof, right? Now, a Palestinian house back in that day, the roof was more made of mud, clay, branches, so you can see how they could dig in and the typical home had a staircase that went up the side so you can see how that would be possible to dig through now about the state of the paralytic person the scripture doesn't say exactly what's going on with them but based on the actions of these friends i imagine that the man's life was short and i imagine these friends had been hearing the stories about jesus how he'd been doing many miracles making the blind see the deaf hear the lame walk how from a boy's lunch, Jesus took a few loaves of bread and fish and fed 5,000 men, not, not counting women and children. And these friends knew that the only hope for their friend was to get him to Jesus. And with that same urgency, realizing that time is short, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? So with that same passion, that same conviction of our friends, let's get our friends to Jesus, So three things I want to leave with you this morning. So number one is friends pray for their friends. Now the passage here doesn't talk about the friends praying, but I imagine they did. And people ask me, Reed, what should I do to start getting involved in sharing the gospel with my friends? Well, I say number one is you pray. How many of you believe that when we pray, God moves, right? When we pray, God moves. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 actually tells us. It's a lifestyle of pray, to pray continually. To pray with not stopping. And uh, see, James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
I can't tell you how many times I appreciate all of you praying for our outreaches. I can feel your prayers. I mean, there's a spiritual battle out there in some of these countries. Whew, it feels so tough. I just feel like I'm hitting a wall as I'm preaching because there's so much oppression there. So please keep praying. And all the wonderful missionaries we support at First Baptist, please keep praying for them, okay? Because they're on the front lines. And then when we pray, God moves. So let me teach you something that I do. Uh, to pray. So how many of you have seen the movie, What About Bob? You guys remember that classic? Okay. It's uh, Carmen and Randy's dad's favorite movie, apparently, I've been told. What About Bob? So, you know, good old Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray right? Poor guy's got OCD like me. You're like, Reed, you've got OCD? Ah, oh, now I understand. Yeah, I sure do. Ask my kids, my poor wife. Anyhow, <laughs> so Bill Murray, right? He's coming out and he's talking about taking baby steps, right? You know, baby steps out of the elevator, right? So one of the ways you can take baby steps to share the gospel is to pray for Bob every day. Pray for Bob. So what does that look like? I pray this every morning myself. Number one, B, pray for a burden for the lost. My friends, if you want to have a passion for souls, a passion to share Jesus, then nestle up to the heart of our Savior. Where Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you realize every person you lock eyes with matters to God? The people in your school matter to God. The people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, the people that are homeless across the street, they matter to God. Every person matters to God. And Jesus is in the business of saving souls and he wants to use you to make a difference. So pray, pray for B, a burden for the lost. O is open doors or opportunities to share Jesus. And then the third B is a boldness. That boldness that Paul talked about in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation, chairman of believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So pray for Bob every day. And if they don't respond, like the movie, give them death therapy, right? <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you'd know that's pretty funny. So thank you. Anyway, so praying that, praying for Bob every day. We have at First Baptist a high five card. And one of the things that I do is I write down the people in my life that need Jesus, my sister, for example, and I pray for them every day. Two things. One, that God would give them an open heart to respond to the gospel. And number two, that God would give me an open door to share Jesus with them. So I encourage you to take your high five card, write that down, put it in your Bible, and pray that for them every day from now and Easter. I'll give you that challenge. And then pray for Bob as well. Because like I said, when we pray, God moves. I want to illustrate that by sharing something very special to you uh, this morning. So I came to Christ when I was 17, as many of you know. Came from an unchurched background, but at the age of 17, God so got a hold of my heart. I was overwhelmed that Jesus would die on the cross for my sins and rise again from the grave. I was so moved, I gave my life to Christ at 17, and I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life telling as many people as possible about him. That's where All for Jesus came. I was like, wow, Jesus gave his life all for me. I want to live my life all for Jesus. Came from an unchurched background. Uh, I love my dad, but he's a pretty tough guy. He wanted nothing to do with God. And so my dad would never come hear me preach, never. In fact, when Tobin was younger, I, I speak at you know, U.S. festivals across uh, the U.S., and so I was doing one in California near where my dad lived. And Tobin was young at the time, and he said, hey, Grandpa, how come you never come and hear Daddy preach? My dad's like, well, Tobin, whenever your dad starts preaching, I start to feel guilty inside. And I was like, hello, Dad, conviction. Anyway, I can't believe he said that. But So every day... For 30 years, I prayed for my dad. Every single day. Well, 
the last time I preached here at First Baptist Church, my dad was in town. And I was like, there's no way he's coming to church. I didn't even, I didn't even ask him. I didn't even invite him. Here's the evangelist. I didn't even invite my dad. Because I knew I've been rejected so many times. But again, like the song today, I'm never going to stop, never going to stop. Same thing with evangelism. We can't stop. So Carmen, no one can say no to Carmen, right? I mean, she's the sweetest person I know. So she's like, Dad, you should come here, you know, read, preach. Who knows how many more opportunities you're going to have? And so I'm up here preaching right here. <laughs> Last time I preached, I had no idea my dad was here. I couldn't even see him. I had no idea. I get done with the message, invite people to receive Christ, which I will today as well. And I'm standing down there. And, I, you know, there's moments where you, can't, you feel like something's not real, like, like a mirage. I'm like, what? I see my dad coming forward right here. And he's got tears in his eyes. Let me tell you, I've only seen my dad cry twice in my life. Once when my grandmother died, his mom. And number two, when my mom left my dad after 30 years of marriage, which is another story. This was the third time. My dad came up. He gave me a big hug, which is another surprise. And he said with tears in his eyes, he said, Reed, it finally made sense. You were talking about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and rising from the grave. He said, I can't believe I've been running from God all these years. I'll try not to cry, but he smiled real big and said, Reed, today... I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Right here at First Baptist Church, my dad, after praying for him for 30 years. Praise the Lord, huh? And I say that to encourage you to never stop like the song, just don't give up. And it breaks my heart when people say, well, read. You don't know my loved one. They're so far from God, they can never come to Jesus. And I say, don't ever say that. Why? Because we never give up on people because we never give up on God, right? And God can soften the hardest of hearts. So keep praying. Okay, number two, friends pray. Secondly, friends plan to reach their friends. The friends of the paralytic had one plan only. They were going to get their friend to Jesus, no matter what, even if it meant going through the roof. Nothing was going to keep them. So how can you and I have a plan to reach our friends for Jesus? First Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. My friends, it's so important. No one must be preached at. They want to be loved on. There's a big difference. So how can you and I be prepared? One of the things I always encourage you to do is to memorize the word of God. Memorize scripture. You know, I love what David said. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. It's amazing I can be in somewhere where people have never heard about Jesus and faithfully preaching the word of God, how people can trust Christ. It's amazing. So memorize scripture. But number two, this kind of offsets some of the fears we have in sharing the gospel, like not knowing all the answers. People can debate a lot of things, but one thing they can't debate is your own story, how Jesus changed your life. So this is called the three-story approach. So say you're having a gospel conversation with somebody. And you first get to hear their story. People like to talk about themselves, so they're sharing about their story. Every time I've used this, 95% of the time, they volley back to me, and they say, tell me about your story. So I share my story. And after you share your story and talk about how Jesus changed your life, if you don't know him, you can say, hey, do you have a story like mine? And if they say no, or if you know about them, you say, hey, can I tell you about his story? And that's the gospel. How do we do that? I'm going to give you a tool that I use all the time. It's called the hand of hope. Put your hand in the air like you just don't care. Let's go. Come on. All right. Hand of hope. Here we go. You're going to say this after me. The thumb. God made us for a relationship for, for him. Say that. God made us for a relationship with him. 
Second finger, sin separates us from God. Say that, sin separates us from God. Third finger, keep the rest up. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. Say that, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. Fourth finger, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Say that, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Fifth finger is, would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus now? Would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus now? They don't respond, you just slap them with the hand of hope. Just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Hopefully you high five them, right? High five them. So anyway, it's a great tool. In fact, I've got a copy on the desk out there, our table where Jonah's running. You can get a copy of that. It's got Bible verses. It's really cool. Love for you to sign up to pray for us. We're, we're trying to get as many people praying for all the places we're going, like Pakistan areas. I wrote a book called Activate from teaching classic Corbin for many years on evangelism. So some more tools, you can pick up a copy there and Jonah's at that table. But again, sharing the good news, having a plan, praying. And then lastly, before I finish up, is friends persevere in reaching their friends. Again, don't give up. I love what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So imagine the scene with me, if you will. Who knows how long they've been carrying their friend. You know, bodies are pretty heavy. Probably a hot, humid day in the Middle East. They finally show up to the place where Jesus is at. And I can imagine in that moment, instant discouragement, instant despair, some frustration. They finally get their friend to Jesus. And they're like, oh, no, look. The place is packed. People are sitting outside the windows. The front's packed. What are we going to do? I imagine some of them saying, hey, maybe we'll come back tomorrow. We'll wait till Jesus goes somewhere else. But I imagine that sense of urgency, like, we don't know if our friend's going to make it tomorrow. We got to get him to Jesus today because Jesus is the only hope for our friend. So imagine their conversation. Hey, I don't know who lives here or owns this house, but look, they got that staircase. I got a great idea. Let's go up to this guy's house. I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Let's dig through his roof. And lower our body down. There's no Aflac insurance in those days, at least. I don't know. Maybe the duck was running around. But anyway, can you imagine you're sitting there listening to Jesus all of a sudden? Something hits you on the head. You're like, what's that? And like, whoa, all of a sudden his body's being lowered down. It's crazy. But look at verse 5 again. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus cares about the people in your life that need him? You bet. You think Jesus cared about my dad when I prayed for him every day for 30 years? Yeah. Every person matters to God. And so what did Jesus do? He does what Jesus does. He healed the man physically and spiritually. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. These friends prayed, they planned, and they persevered. Same thing with you. Maybe you have a kid that doesn't know Jesus, a spouse a grandson, a granddaughter, a neighbor, a coworker, pray for them, share with them, and watch God move for his glory. I love this saying in Africa about sharing the gospel. Someone said, if not you, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? I want to finish by telling you about our new brother in Christ. I can't put it up on the screen because he is a Muslim Amman leader from the Pakistan, Afghanistan area where the Taliban rule. So when the pandemic hit, we weren't able to travel, so we started a TV ministry, a satellite TV ministry, where I'd preach the gospel, we'd film it, we'd launch it out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, prime time, from Pakistan into the 1040 window, 80 countries, 1040 window is kind of the area that's most unreached in the world. We did that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, this guy's friend happened to watch our TV program. This guy gives his life to Jesus. 
He comes to Christ, and a lot of times when you see someone come to know the Lord, they want to tell everyone, right? Just like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 went on his way rejoicing. You know, just let's go tell people about Jesus. So this guy's friend comes to Christ, and God puts him on his heart. Now, I want to remind you again. When you come to know Jesus, I pray many of you will this morning, you go from death to life in Christ. But for the majority of our brothers and sisters around the world, when they share Jesus, they could literally go from life to death. Do you know what it's like to go up and share the gospel with a Muslim Amman leader in the Middle East? That conversation is not going to go long, and you're probably never going to be seen again. But like the friends from Mark 2, this guy's friend loved him enough that he literally risked his life to tell him about Jesus. Do you know the recent statistics are 5,600 Christians were killed for their faith last year in 22. 2,100 churches were attacked or closed. And more than 124,000 Christians were displaced from their homes or kicked out because they followed Jesus. Counting the cost, right? So this guy's friend comes up to him. He's like, don't kill me, but I can tell you something. He says, I watched this TV program and it talked about Jesus. Now, Jesus is actually more than a prophet. He's actually the son of God, the savior of the world, and he changed my life. And I know you're a Muslim Iman leader, but just like Jesus changed my life, he can change your life too. No one will see you. Go in your living room. Here's how you can watch this TV program. So this guy goes home in the quietness of his home. He watches one of our programs where I'm preaching the gospel. He gives his life to Jesus. Our team, we partnered with Campus Crusade for Christ and local house pastors to follow up with all the decision makers like all we do at our save. We had to put this guy in a bunker for over two weeks with him and his friend because the Taliban put a bounty on his head. Do you imagine a, a mon leader coming to know Christ? Here in America, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying like it is. When it comes to sharing the gospel, we're afraid maybe we're gonna lose some followers on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe our neighbors won't talk to us anymore. But for the majority of us in America, at least not yet, you're not going to be killed for sharing the gospel with your neighbor. Yet this man loved his friend enough, he was literally risking his life to tell him about Jesus. So what are you going to risk? Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Who do you know that needs Jesus? What are you going to do about it? With that same sense of urgency, like these friends of the paralytic, And like my friend, let's get out and love him enough to tell him about Jesus because he alone is the hope of the world. From Salem to Kaiser to Oregon to the U.S. to the ends of the earth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, is the only hope. And he loves you and he loves the people you know that need him. So let's go live our lives all for the one who is all for us, all for Jesus. Let me pray. Let's just close your eyes and bow your heads right now. I want you to take a moment to pray for the person or people that God's put on your heart that need Jesus. And just take a moment, pray that God would give them an open heart to respond to Jesus and that God would give you an open door to share Jesus. So do that for just a second here. Now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just like we saw last night and this morning, people going from death to life in Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're that friend that was brought by a friend this morning. 
You know, the Bible says if you simply come by faith and you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and rise again from the grave. And the Bible says when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you go from guilty to forgiven, you go from lonely to loved, you go from death to life. And you can be sure that when you die, you go to heaven as opposed to hell. And you have the joy of knowing and following Jesus the rest of your days. So whether you're in the front or the sides, you're up in the balcony, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, as John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Think of it, just like my dad came to Christ here at First Baptist. Now it's your turn. Today's the day of salvation. So if God spoke in your heart and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus right here, right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that I would pray if I was giving my life to Jesus. This prayer is not what saves you. It's your faith and trust in Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection that saves you. But this is a great way to invite him into your heart right here and right now, just like we saw last night and in the first service, it's your turn. So in the quietness of heart, you can pray this prayer with me as you invite Jesus in your life. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. Come into my heart and life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you for giving your life for me on the cross, Jesus. Now by faith, I give my life to you. From this moment on, use my life for your glory. Now with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just pray with me to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, all, all over this place, in the front and the side, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Lift up your hands. Thank you. I see your hands here. The front up in the balcony as well. I see your hands over here in the sides. Thank you. I see your hand in the back here as well. Thank you. I see your hand up there as well. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You can put, thank you. You can put your hands down. Well, Father, I just thank you, God, for all the people that came to know you this morning. God, we just rejoice in our new brothers and sisters in Christ. I just want to pray 2 Peter 3, 18 over each of them, that they'll grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus. That though they made this decision individually, they're now a part of the body of Christ and the family here at First Baptist. I pray you help them to tell someone, either after the service or someone that brought them, that today they begin a new life in you. So bless them. And Father, I just want to thank you for our home church, for Pastor Mark. I thank you for just all the people that pray and, and support our family. I just pray, God, for my sister and all the people you've put on our hearts this morning that need you, God, that you give us open doors as we give you an open hearts. So God, just as you're moving around the world, we pray that same thing here in our Jerusalem and Salem. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who is the hope of the world. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. My friends, the Bible says in Luke 15 that when sinner comes to know Savior, there's a celebration in heaven. Several people came to know the Lord this morning, so let's join the angels and celebrate them today.